Some stones saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. Yeah, I went with nothing, nothing but the thought of you. I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face to face. Do you have friends or relatives who haven't been able to receive the show? They're not in the area. Have them go to hotm.tv and they can watch the show live streaming video from anywhere in the world. So we invite them to do that. And also beginning August 12th uh, of this year, Heart of the Matter is going to be getting to air on AM 820, The Truth. It's a hot new 50,000 watt Christian radio station. Uh, dedicated to sharing God's word with the wonderful people of Utah. So spread the word beginning August 12th. That's a Tuesday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Just like we have the show here. Uh, Heart of the Matter will be airing at AM 820 The Truth. Really excited about that one. Last night we had a book signing in Layton at the Lifeway Christian Bookstore. And uh, I, I hope you'll support this bookstore. We had a great turnout. Met a lot of people who watched the show. Signed a lot of books. But um, support those Christian bookstores in Utah because it's not easy uh, making a living doing that. And by the way, you can pick up uh, I Was a Born Again Mormon, of course, at Lifeway Christian Bookstores in Layton, New Life Christian Books in Murray, Oasis Books in Logan, Gift of Grace in Springville, Christian Gift and Bible in Sandy, Sam Weller's downtown, Dolly's Books in Park City, and through UTLM, that's across from first base near the Franklin uh, Covey baseball field. But of course, you can get them online as well. And as we've always said, if you can't afford the book, you can go to uh, bornagainmormon.com and uh, request it, and we'll send it to you for free. Hey, have you marked your calendar? Saturday, September 20th from 3 to 9 p.m., Burning Heart 08, the day of decision. What is it? We invite you to um, invite your inactive or disaffected, in-name only, maybe Latter-day Saint friends and neighbors to come out for an afternoon of great music, food, bounce houses for the kids, uh, local radio and TV station booths, and to meet and fellowship and participate with pastors from different churches throughout the state. As of this point, Sandy Ridge Community Church and Sandy will participate. Christ Evangelical and Orem and, the, and their pastors will be there. Wasatch Evangelical and Roy, Good Shepherd Lutheran, Salt Lake Christian Center, K2, Christ Community in West Point. All those churches will be there and they'll have their friends and family there. And it's going to be a low-key time to just uh, worship the Lord and hear a message from me at the end of the night that will hopefully get you to uh, jump in the baptismal pool that we'll have there. 
I mean, that's what they did in Acts. You know, the Paul, Peter talked to him. They said, what do we do? He said, hey, get baptized. So they baptized him. So we'll be doing that too, along with the pastors uh, who will be there with their churches. So Burning Heart 08, the day of decision, September 20th, Saturday from 3 to 9 p.m. We really hope you will make it. On Thursday, August 7th, from 3.30 to 4.30, Dr. James Wakefield of the Salt Lake Theological Seminary is going to present a response to LDS Apostle Jeffrey Holland's uh, October 207, October 07 uh, speech at the conference regarding the Godhead. Now, uh, Dr. James Wakefield is an expert on Trinitarian doctrine. So at the Sunstone Symposium, he's going to be speaking there. If you're interested in the Trinity, it's a must-see uh, presentation. Go to sunstone.org for more information and you can find out about the symposium that's going to go on during the week of August 6th through the 9th, I believe. Now for a brief retraction, I've said on a number of occasions that author Lee Strobel is a retired detective. I stand corrected. He is a law school grad who uh, works as an investigative journalist. My apologies. Uh, there was a story in the Salt Lake Trib on the 15th of this month about an inactive LDS man named Chad Hardy in Arizona who created and sold calendars of returned missionaries without shirts, and he called these calendars men on a mission. Now, it seems the LDS Church summarily excommunicated the creator of the salacious calendar, uh, even though uh, it was done with the full permission of the models involved. It wasn't uh, uh, rude or lewd. They just didn't have shirts on. Uh, that in and of itself is sort of funny, but the real comedy is by way of a letter to the editor at the Salt Lake Trib uh, last week about the excommunication of Mr. Hardy, and uh, this is what it says. Uh, from the public forum letter uh, section, it says, Regarding the former missionary who was excommunicated by a disciplinary committee in Las Vegas, I offer some condolence and assurance to his family, who he says are going to be so sad. Um, when Chad Hardy leaves this earthly world, his family can be assured that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will rebaptize him by proxy, making him once again a fine, upstanding member of the church. So a uh, very interesting uh, response to that story about uh, Mr. Chad. i got to get that thing at some point in time. I I've dropped it. Uh, we had a viewer email me several emails over the past year, and her mantra, she wrote to me over and over again, I don't believe in a word that you say. I don't believe a word you say. And we received an email from her. Um, her name is Kathy, and it says, I just wanted to tell you that I left the LDS Church and are no longer on their church records as of 62708. I uh, just thoroughly would like to know uh, that I'm getting married next year. Would like you to marry us um, and hope that you can do it and talks about that date. So she started off, like so many viewers do, angry at me, and saying she doesn't believe a word I, I'm saying, and yet uh, now she has uh, sent in the resignation, but does want to have a continuing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, before I introduce some very important people in my family's personal lives, uh, I want to share another email I received from someone named Daniel. It reads, quote, Just wondering, since you believe Mormonism isn't true, Will you tell your new name and show the whole endowment ceremony on your show? 
In light of this question, I suppose it's time to repeat our ministry and our method and our mission. What is the, our purpose here and what is our ministry? Is it to offend people or is it to help inform them? Is it to prove myself to other Christians or to prove intent to people who are seeking? Our mission is to reach the lost and disaffected Latter-day Saints with the saving message of Jesus Christ. There are people who cannot live Mormonism, may not want to live Mormonism, who don't feel they have any alternative. A secondary message is to reach active LDS believers with information the current administration refuses to present. Our final objective is to share the saving biblical message of Christ crucified with all people, whether they've been LDS or not. In order to meet our primary and secondary objectives, it would be sheer idiocy for me to do what you've asked, Daniel. If I were to, trying to reach Jews, would I take a yarmulke and burn it on air? If I were trying to reach Muslims, would I rip a, the Koran in two? Admittedly, there's a very delicate balance between sharing truthful information and offending everybody within earshot. So just to confirm our, or reconfirm our position, for all to hear, let me say this. This is for the Christian critics that we have. I believe, I know in fact, that there are Latter-day Saints who can come to a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ while Latter-day Saints. To take a step further, I even believe people, Mormons, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, Scientologists, whoever, can experience spiritual rebirth even while still holding some false notions in their mind from the religious training they've had. And I don't care if these online apologetic ministries don't like to hear me say this. There is, they, they will say there is no such thing as a born-again Mormon. I was one. I met a woman last night who was LDS for so many years. She became a born-again Christian, believing in the LDS constructs of Godhead and all those things, and has spent the last decades and decades sharing people with people the message of Jesus Christ. And she, too, confirmed to me that you can have a regenerative relationship while still believing some of the erroneous doctrines that are taught. Again, our focus is not really where you attend church first, it's whether you have been saved hook, line, and sinker through, by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This being said, there's another side to the coin. While we love all people, Mormons included, we are wholeheartedly against Mormonisms and Mormon doctrine. We believe they lead to people standing on an inferior foundation to what God offers and to personal bondage and sometimes even pushes them away from the regenerative relationship they can have with God. Our approach, which is clearly presented in our book, I Was a Born Again Mormon, is reaching people, causing walls to fall and lives to change. As I've traveled over the past uh, three years, I became acquainted with a very nice and personable pilot who is an active, faithful Latter-day Saint. Last week, as I exited the plane, he ran up behind me and caught me and he said he asked if we could talk. I said, sure, and, and he, I have given him my book, and he read it, and uh, he said that he has a friend who is, has been LDS her whole life, and she's never been able to fit. Her psyche, her mind, her heart has never embraced it fully, and it's always been difficult for her, and he's known this about this woman, and he said, so what I did is I said, you should go to bornagainmormon.com, and he gave her the copy of the book that I gave him for her to read. 
And I told him, you know, that is a very mature thing. It's rare to hear and see this in the LDS community because usually they would rather have you be inactive, disaffected, angry, and feeling alienated than to come to a relationship with God in another religion. I pray that the LDS will look around and see those people who aren't in the church and who are not going to come back and say to them, look, go find the Lord. Wouldn't that be a wonderful step? They claim to be Christian. They claim to be one. They have all these meetings and everybody's getting together. Let's hear them say that. Wouldn't that be a step forward to hear them just say that? I was astounded and appreciative of him. Uh, he was well aware that Mormonism isn't necessarily for everybody. Before we go to prayer and tonight's message, I want to introduce you to some very good friends of ours from California. In the two and a half years we've done the show, um, I have uh, never met with a family from California that we know that, uh, that have come up to vacation or something. And so this is part of the Sawney family standing here. We're going to two. There, there you are. You're right there. See you there, Elizabeth? Now, the Sawney family and the McCraney family, we go back over 15 years active in the same stake in Southern California. And uh, I, I was called to be a high priest and put on the high council uh, with Chris Sawney, who is the father and husband, husband of Catherine and the father of these kids here on the screen. He's one of my best friends, and he's in Southern California right now. And uh, next, here is Catherine, and she is an English professor, college level, very smart woman, and uh, L she's laughing, LDS uh, member, inactive for the past year or so. And then we have Elizabeth here on the end, and Elizabeth is a gem. She is one of Mallory, my oldest daughter's friends, and they go back uh, way together and love each other greatly. And then there's someone who's missing. His name is Ben, and he's a USC water polo player, and he is Cassidy's best male friend, and they've spent all their teen years fighting against each other. <laughs> they fight about every topic. Cassidy's very uh, uh, strong in her position, and Ben is very strong in hers. And then I'm going to go to Claire before I go to Luke. Claire here, I just want you to know, I, I knew Claire when she was born, and I haven't really seen her since, which is amazing, but she said when she comes on the screen, she wants everyone to applause. So let's, let's, <laughs> yay, Claire, you got your wish. <laughs> but but the, the, another amazing story here is this guy right here. Since he was four or five years old, he has said he wants to be the president of the United States. I just sat with him at dinner, and he actually laid out what he's going to do to become the president of the United States. And so I want him to know that regardless of what, what side of the fence he's on, he's got my vote. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, the Sawney family, do you want to say anything to your family uh, at home? We, we love, love you, Dad, Dad and Ben. Dad. Very good. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Good job. All right. And with that, um, let's have a prayer. God, we thank you for family relationships, for friends, and we thank you for your son that makes life better, that makes life abundant. And we pray that you'll be with our viewers wherever they are, uh, with our audience, with our volunteers, with the technical sides. Be with me so that I can say the things you want me to say in our message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, continuing on with the 17 points of the true church. Last week we covered uh, 
the last section of the Trinity. We did a three-part series on that. Tonight, we're going to cover some of the easy ones quickly, and then we're going to move on to the phone calls. Number nine, the LDS claim that the true church must practice divine healing. Uh, I would completely agree with that. Uh, that the true believers in, in Christ are going to practice divine healing. But in the context of the Bible, divine healing is a gift of the Spirit, and not all peoples or churches uh, have it. It's not a tool of the priesthood. This is what is greatly misunderstood between that statement. People are given the spiritual gift of healing, women included. And so when you have... Uh, all peoples, black, white, red, yellow, males, females, given the gift of healing by the Holy Spirit, which is how it is described in the Bible, the LDS cut out a very important segment saying that it can only occur through men and through this um, administration of what they call the priesthood. So I would submit that all healings, whether they come from someone who is Christian or at the hands of someone who is LDS or uh, otherwise... Uh, Whatever it is, no matter how these healings occur, even on the operating table, they are the act of God. It is his will, will that uh, controls them. There is no link between an LDS priesthood and healings as they would try to suggest. Not saying that healings haven't occurred in the church. God loves all his creations. He's going to heal whom he will. Um, but the LDS claims that you have to have the priesthood to heal pe people makes me think of an episode of the Beverly Hillbillies I watched years back where Granny came up with a, uh, a definite cure for the common cold. And she, she made it from raccoon gizzards, and, and she had the, the cure, and she said, if you take two teaspoons of this, you will get over the common cold. It's a cure. So Jed goes, and he talks to the doctor, and the doctor said, the only cure for the common cold is bed rest and lots of water, and, and that will cure it in time. And so in, in result of the, of, the, of the show, Granny's before a big convention. She's sharing her miracle cure for the common cold, and they ask her to describe it, and she says, you take two teaspoons of of this gizzard juice and then you get plenty of rest you drink lots of water and you'll be cured within two or three days so that's the same type of thing people are going to be cured healed by the power of god some people have the spiritual gift some people do not the 12th point the lds church uses to claim that it is the only true church says the officers of the church must be called by god the site uh, Bible passage, this cites uh, a Bible passage so out of context, it's amazing, uh, but they cite Exodus 28.1 and Exodus 40.13-16. Look them up relative to the New Testament church and see for yourself, but they also quote Hebrews 5.4 to justify their position, which says, And no man takes this honor unto himself, but he that was called as was Aaron. There's three points to consider relative to this scripture they're using to say that you must be called by God to have a calling or a position in his church. This has no reference to the call to the call of working within the Christian ministry, and it shouldn't be applied to that. It should, it should not be used as a proof text to show that a minister of the gospel should have a call directly from God through succession of a priesthood lineage. The object of Paul is not to state this, but to show that the Jewish high priest was called of God to his office in a certain way, showing that he held the appointment from God, and therefore it was necessary that the great high priest, 
Jesus, this is the context of the Hebrew passage, our great high priest, our final high priest, no high priest after Jesus is uh, ordained and called to be and hold this position. Second, the passage has absolutely no relevance to the idea of an LDS priesthood. Were the Aaronic priests of the Old Testament called as was Aaron? Absolutely not. All you got to do is read Leviticus chapter 8 and Exodus chapter 29, and you'll see the priests were not called the same way Aaron was called. All right? And finally, the point of 17 uh, is trying to say that you have to be called by somebody holding a priesthood authority by the laying on of hands. So if I have an LDS priesthood authority, I have to lay my hands and call someone else to the position because they're, in, they're inferring that that's the way it is done. And there are plenty of uh, examples where people have been called to do plenty of things in God's name in different ways where hands were never, ever laid on them. So again, they just took this out of context and applied it. Point 14, the last one, is the LDS claim that the true church must uh, be a missionary church. Any Bible-believing Christian would agree with this point as well. So these are almost like non-events. Taking the message of Christ to the world is a vital part of being Christian. Now, when Christian missionaries go out on what they call missions trips, that's their words for, for a mission. The Mormons call it, I served a mission. The uh, Christian church says, I served a mission trip. They go out and they do a couple things. They teach Christianity, they share the Bible, and they share Jesus. And then often it's humanitarian. They are helping feed and teach people to, to brush their teeth and things like that. Now, there are some LDS missions that do the same thing. But the missionaries for the LDS church not only will teach a message of Jesus, but it's diluted by the message of Joseph Smith, the plan of salvation, having to pay tithing, codes of conduct, family can be together forever, church, 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 church. So when a Christian goes out, like in the, in the Great Commission Jesus offered in Matthew chapter 28, it says, go into the world. The commission is to go and share his gospel. And yet when the, the, the missionaries say, uh, but this says when the LDS missionaries go out and they're a missionary church, they are teaching all kinds of things that are not part of this message Jesus told them to share. I received an email response from somebody who, when we talked about the LDS hymns, and they pointed out um, how the focus is taken from Jesus and put on the church. And he gives the example of the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Now, that song's words... I would sing it to you, but it says quickly, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Now, it goes on and on and on. It talks about putting everything on the Lord Jesus, trusting him, letting him be the guide of your life. The LDS took the same hymn and they titled it, Israel, Israel, God is Calling. And it talks about being called back to Zion, which they believe is here. Come to Zion, come to Zion. And the whole song is a shift from church, come back to the church and do what you should in the church. And references to the celestial angels and men becoming powerful like the celestial angels. Instead of the simple message of Jesus Christ. So there's just an instance of how the missionary message is very different uh, within the LDS community than uh, others. 
I'm also curious as to why Mormonism has thrived for several hundred years by pulling people out of their various church relationships rather than trailblazing into unknown and suffering regions of the world. Christians the world over have always gone to the remotest villages and tried to help those savages, as it were, to understand the message of Jesus and to provide them with provision. You ever wonder why there's so many Christian missionaries who spend their lives in these third world places while the LDS, especially between 1839 and 1950, spent the majority of their time knocking on uh, doors where people had a religion and spending their time telling them that their religion is wrong and they need to come to the restored truth. So we even have a difference in how missionary work is done. They will go and say, hey, if, if a missionary knocks on a door that's a Christian, I don't even think they go door to door, but if they go at a door and a person says, oh, I go to Christ Evangelical. Oh, great. Good to see you. I, I happen to go to the Baptist church. You go to Christ. Very good. Nice to see you. Or someone says, I'm a Pentecostal. Great. Good to know. But Mormons go to the, to the, the Christian churches and say, you go where? Pentecostal? You need to understand that that is of the devil. You need to send that all their creeds and abominations are corrupt. Joseph Smith was told that by God himself. And so we have a difference even there in missionary work and as part of one of their 17 points. Okay, next week we're going to do a three-part series and it's on the 17th point that they use and it says, all it says is a quote from Matthew, by their fruits you shall know them. It's a big phrase that is used often. By our fruits, you will know us. We're going to do a three-part series starting next week, so hang on to your hats. Let's open up the uh, phone lines at 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. Uh, as we wait for operators to clear the calls, allow me another two or three minutes to address Mr. Harley's question last week. We had a caller, and he uh, pulled a, a typical... LDS approach of pulling one scripture out of the entire Bible from Revelation and he applied it and interpreted it in a way that would support his LDS views. I told Harley on the air last week that I was unsure of the true contextual understanding of that verse, but that I knew his interpretation was definitely off. And I asked for people to submit if they had information or to call during the show. Before we discuss the verse, let me give you some uh, things to think about. First, did Harley's question support divinity and the deity of Jesus, or did it demean Jesus? What, which, which did Harley's question do? Lift him up, or did it demean him? So when you get into these, these dialogues with people, if they start giving you doctrines that demean, you can point that out. I want you to know right now, your purpose here in this discussion is to take someone that I worship and to bring him down, okay? Uh, the second thing is, uh, is you may consider um, that there is nothing wrong with not knowing the answer right away. I didn't know the answer when he brought the question. I said I didn't know. I didn't think his interpretation was right. But you can say that. And you can say, let me get that information and go back. You'll often find that with the self-appointed apologists of the LDS uh, faith, they're not in the discussion to discover the truth that you have to share. They're there to win. Now, we're not here to win. I, I, I can't win. You can sit there and you can come up with a whole case to present to me. And, and I'm sitting here on the show. I don't know what you've prepared. I have nothing prepared. And you could throw this at me and make me look bad. And, and I expect that happens quite a bit. But I do know that I do not fear at all the word and finding a contextual 
uh, answer that has a very sound hermeneutic and understanding what the Bible teaches contextually, and it will blow your little preparation away once we're able to do it. This is what happened with Harley. Um, so you have nothing to fear in searching the word of God, and you have nothing to fear by not having the answer right at hand. You say to anybody who gives you something you don't know, let me check it out. Do you really want to have this discussion? Let me check it out. I'll come back, and I promise you, you'll get the answer. So anyway, quickly, the verse he read was Revelation 3.14, and it says, uh, These things said the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. All right? Now, I had an abundance of Bible scholars write me with information on this verse. I want to thank Louis W., Russ P., Kevin, St Stephen N., Annabelle, they're among them, but the verse says, These things saith the Amen, the true and faithful witness. Everybody, including Harley, agree that the Amen, capital A, it's the only time a personal pronoun is used uh, for Jesus, that's Amen. He's calls, he calls himself Amen there, that this is Jesus Christ we're talking about. All right? We agree on that. And Amen means, so be it. Okay? The reason the amen is applied to Jesus is because Jesus is also known in John as the Word, capital W, the Logos in the Greek. And what that means is when God spoke, so be it. God, he is the Word. And when God spoke, he did everything for, from him, from what God's instructions were. So when God spoke, the Word put them in action, okay? Okay. Uh, the next sentence is what Harley used as evidence that Jesus was a created being. And the line reads, the talking about Jesus, the beginning of the creation of God. Uh, this proves Jesus was a created being, he said. Okay, I'm going to quickly, first let's look at the Greek word for the beginning. In this sense, it's archi, and it refers to the original, the origination instrument or an origin and not a chronological reference. It means the source. It means the origin of something. Not the beginning as in the first in line, but the beginning as the source, the chronological movement of that. So the verse should be read, these things said the amen, the faithful and true witness, the source of the creation of God, okay? Now, the Greek research is good, but we also have to look at the rest of the word to see if it supports this Greek interpretation. Uh-oh, Harley, you should have attended your Bible teachings instead of the word functions all those years because John 1 says that, listen to what John 1 says about Jesus being the source of all things. You ready? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay? The same was in the beginning with God. All things, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, in case you're wondering, Harley, what that word refers to, if you don't think it's talking about Jesus, it says in verse 14 of the same uh, chapter, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about Jesus. Now, if it's not convincing enough, let me end with this before we go to the calls. Colossians 1, listen to these passages. In whom, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, invisible and visible, 
whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Harley, you're dead in the water. Don't call back. I don't like you. <laughs> and I don't like your fake Scottish accent either. We have a real treat right now. John O'Fallon from Illinois is calling. Let's hear what John has to say. John, you're on the air. Hi, Sean. How you doing? It's been a while. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I've been quietly and patiently watching and listening over the last several months and uh, decided I needed to call in. Okay. You were talking today about uh, your new radio station or your new radio show on AM. Yeah, the radio station is going to carry this show at the same time. John, it's a fruitless effort. It's fruitless. You are not going to stop this work. That I know. I'm not trying to stop the work, John. I'm not, I don't think that my puny little TV show uh, is going to stop the Mormon church. They're a multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomeration. I can't stop it. But well, it has but, to do John, with the money. It, it's just this. It has to do with what? It's nothing to do with the money or the, the billions of then dollars. Then have them give me their money. It's God's work, and you're not going to stop it. Okay, John, let me ask you something. I, I just said I didn't want to stop it, but I can tell you this from our emails and from the number of people who have come to a relationship with the Lord. We're helping people's lives, John. Are you, are you against that, too? Well, that depends on how you define help. I mean, people don't need the kind of help that you're offering, I think. You're destroying people's faith. Well, I'm offering people who uh, don't know the Lord to have a, develop a faith in Him and to turn their lives to them. Do you consider that wrong? Yeah, but what God are you encouraging them to believe in? Uh, the one from the Bible. Which one are you encouraging them to believe in? That's the God that I believe in. Which one is oh, that, John? You know that. The, the one from where? Are you talking about the multiplicity of gods that Joseph taught about? I'm talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I would I would defer, and it's funny the whole Christian community uh, would disagree with you completely, John. And yet you're saying that you believe in that God, but the whole Christian community can read your doctrines and they say you do not believe in that God. How is that possible? How does he say he's he's there is none before him, there is none after him? But Joseph taught that there are other gods and that we will become gods. John, explain it. Joseph was a prophet of God and is a prophet of God and he spoke for God. These declarative statements aren't answering my question, John. Now listen, we had an agreement. You said you were going to go research all the things I've been presenting and you were going to go to Sandra Tanner's website and you were going to prove me wrong that all the stuff were lies. And what, Have you done the research or have you not done that? No, you said all that stuff and actually I looked at Sandra Tanner's website, unfortunately, and I did listen to many of your podcasts and you haven't convinced me, Sean and you're not going to. Well, I don't think I can convince you, John. I can't convince a true believer. Let me tell you something. Belief is far stronger than facts. It always has been. That's how religions survive. I understand that. But let me just put it to you this way. Will you give me this much, John? There are people who have their name associated with the LDS church. They don't go. They're sitting in bars. They are really struggling with life. They don't know Jesus or God at all, and they don't care to. Because of our show, they somehow say, you know, maybe there is hope for a relationship with this God outside of Mormonism. In my opinion, John, we're taking people, if your church is as true as you say, we're taking them from the lowest level of a kingdom, the celestial, and we're bringing them up to a life in the terrestrial kingdom with Jesus. Okay? Are you telling me that that's not even a good effort in your view? 
John, I think you call those people sheep stealers. I, I've heard you refer to those people as sheep stealers. I'm doing the LDS jo uh, church a favor by going in and trying to get those people they don't care about, obviously. One of those people step into an LDS ward reeking of alcohol and cigarettes, do you think they're welcomed and loved and given callings and positions? Not at all. They are welcome, and we do care about those people. What ward do you go to? None, Sean. I'm going to come and see if they'll let me speak. We reach out to those people with our home teachers, and we try to minister to those people. And, okay, John. Hey, listen, um, have you let your wife watch my show, or do you still forbid her? Well, I've, I've gotten her back onto the straight and narrow, so that's <laughs> not an issue. Yes. <laughs> the straight and narrow. All right, John. Anything else? Any final statements you want to say? I, I actually do want to ask you a question okay. about Trinity. And I don't think that you can give me a reasonable, rational explanation of the Trinity. I don't think I can either, because I don't think my mind can wrap itself around it, but I'll try. Exactly, Go ahead. exactly, Sean, exactly. It can't. Okay, let me ask you something. Certainty is a real comfortable place to be, isn't it? And so if you find a place that's going to give you the answers that are certain, John, you're going to walk and follow that instead of looking for uh, truth. The Bible talks about the mystery of God throughout it talks about mystery, things that we don't comprehend, that his ways are not our ways. You're telling me because you've followed a church that will give you every single answer that you're going to find solace in that? That's scary. Sean, you said... Waco, Texas is waiting for you, buddy. And you said you can't wrap your mind around it. Well, Joseph Smith was able to wrap his mind around it and explained it crystal clear. You're so awesome, man. I wish you would call every week. Do you know the church called me? The church public relations department called me about you? Did you hear that show? Yes, I did. I don't have anything to say about that. I told you I'm not a spokesman for the church, Sean. I know you're not a spokesman for the church. They don't feel you. They would love to know where you are. Have they found you? Because they told me it was unfair to allow a member of the church talk like you do, that you don't represent them. Can you believe that? The church office called and said, you do not, your views do not represent what they believe. I don't have anything to say about that. Of course not. Check in your mind, John. Check the facts. Go back and check the facts, John. I care about you. I don't think you're happy in that house. John, if you care about me, then stop trying to tear down my beliefs and the things that I love. You can, if you're a stalwart, John, you shouldn't be watching the show. Our ministry is to the people who are lost and dis disaffected. Okay, well, if you truly love and me, that's, John. And that's probably a good 50% of the people they claim to be uh, members of the church. You will stop doing part of the matter if you truly love me like you say you do. John, I don't even know what to say to you sometimes. You blow my mind. I love you. I really do. Come to Salt Lake. Let's go sit down and let's chat. I may do that someday, Sean. All right, no weapons. <laughs> All right, brother. Call back. Bye-bye. John's a little testy tonight. Uh, those of you who don't know, we've had a dialogue with John, and he's, uh, he's said some really amazing things, but things that are normally thought by people of the church, but are only spoken within the confines of meetings or, you know, priesthood brothers talking. But he's just not afraid to just share how it is including, you know, forbidding his wife to do this and that. And, and so it's been great to actually hear someone talk. John, I hope you call back. We're going to Chris in Salt Lake City. First-time caller. Chris, you're on Heart of the Matter. Chris? Chris? Hey, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, right, I love you, you. Turn off your TV, Chris. Okay. There we go. You're on the air.
Hey, I just wanted to talk about uh, some of the doctrines you mentioned about the priesthood. Okay. Well, there's just so many comments I want to make, but I mean, just addressing that one first. Okay. Where do you get your basis for that? On priesthood? Yeah. The best thing to do, uh, and it would just help out everything here, the best thing to do, Chris, is to go to our website. We have 130 shows. We have shows on Aaronic Priesthood, Melchizedek Priesthood, High Priest. Uh, if you read the book of Hebrews, it will lay out the High Priest thing. But if you go and just spend two hours of your time, I know it's a lot, and you watch those shows, and then you come back and say, you were wrong on this point with relative to the Bible, you are wrong on this point, then it would be a much better conversation. But we spent a lot of time researching, getting everything laid out so that I, because I am not a, I'm not a scholar. All I can do is research and I'm a presenter. But when you ask me right off the top of my head, I can give you a kind of a, a, a weak response, but we have done entire shows on that where we present it for you. All right, well, let, let's, just, let's just discuss on the facts that have, that, have been, that have been laid out already. Okay. Uh, I just want to touch on a few things. I mean, the first thing is how you address the priesthood. Um, the only thing we can, the only thing you can really, you have to see first is that everybody has their own interpretation of the scriptures. Am I right? No. No, you can't. You can't take the scriptures and privately interpret them. Exactly. Why do you do that then? I'm not doing that, John. The the things I'm saying about priesthood is a general consensus by by at least a billion Christian believers. A billion. You're talking about having an LDS church that claims a restored priesthood of an active membership, temple going, of maybe three million. Now, come on. I'm not presenting anything new to Christians here. This is the, Christians understand the Bible. They understand that when the veil was ripped in two, when Jesus died and God ripped it from the top to the bottom, it meant no more priesthood. Do you know what the temples were used for in the Old Testament, Chris? The same thing they used for today. Oh, Chris, you got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And, and you're challenging the things I'm sharing with you. Do you actually think that they had, they went in and they did signs and tokens and things? Chris, and I can use those words. That's not offensive because Brigham Young and other prophets have. They sacrificed animals. That's what they did. They shed. Put, Representation of Jesus Christ. Sean, I don't want to get too caught up on. Stuff. Because you don't know the facts. You can't get you. What you can do is you can hit me with stuff that are generalities that make it sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. But when we get down to the brass tack facts, you're doing the exact same thing. I'm not. I'm giving you facts. Well, that's what you're doing. This is this is what you do. You take you take a personal situation of someone. You take someone's personal situation and you try to generalize it as if it were to the whole church. You try to take... Give me an example of what you mean. Yeah, I'll give you examples okay. of your stories of people that have been excommunicated or, or have been pushed away from the church because they don't fit in. And then you try to generalize that as a whole. As a whole. I, think it's, I think it's a general truth. I think there's specific examples where I'm wrong. Sean, but Sean, at the same time, how many... Just, just taking born-again Christians alone without, without, without... Which are we talking about? The Mormon church or the Christians, Chris? We can talk about all of them. Right? Stick to, well, that's just spreading out the argument and making it thinner and thinner. Let's stay on one topic. I'd love to stay on the topic of priesthood since you really started to dig into it, and now you're backtracking on it. I mean, but if you want to go to another one, you pick the topic. Let's stay on that topic, and we'll go through it, and we'll see how you hold up. All right. Let's, let's, see, let's see this, Sean. What I, want to, what, I want to, what I want to ask you about is uh, what we want to see about is how your interpretations of the Bible are correct versus other people's interpretations of the Bible. Now, with, with, with me having served my mission, as, as you like, as you like to, to, to speak of it, I served with many born-again Christians. I, I worked around them, and I taught, I taught them, yeah. and, and we, we talked with many of them. Okay. And, the thing, and the thing is that we found in common is that not all Christian, church, yeah. Christian, Christian churches yeah. agree on the same topic. You're right. 
it's it's it, 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 it's it's a it's a fallacy for you to say that that all Christians, all the billions of Christians, believe the exact same way that you do. Oh no, I didn't say they believe exactly as I do. In fact, Chris, I let you t I let you present your point. Now let me give you a, a response, okay? But you didn't let me finish, Sean. Let me finish talking. Okay, first. go ahead. Okay, Sean. This this what we need to look at here is basic interpretations of the Bible. Okay. This is what's happening, is that this is why Christians are so separated. Why are there Baptists? Why are there, why are there Methodists? Why are there born-again Christians? They all believe in Jesus Christ, but they all believe in him differently. Okay. You can't just, you can't just dissect and cut out and put the, the Mormon church, on, on, put the Mormon church on, on, on a pedestal here saying that they're the ones that do it all wrong, and they're the ones that are interpreting it all correctly. Okay. Can I respond now? Wait, wait, wait. Basically, what's happening here is we need to be able to see who we need to be able to see that we're all interpreting the Bible in their own certain way. And the thing is, like, what what gives you the right? You've asked me. You've asked me the question three times now. Now I have to respond, Chris. The 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 Christian community agree on the core essentials. They agree who Jesus came, where he came from. They agree whether he was created or not. They agree that he came from a virgin. They agree he was resurrected, that he lived a perfect life, that he suffered on the cross. They believe he resurrected <clears throat> and that he reigns with God now. Okay? Those are the core essentials. What about to Jehovah's Witnesses? They're not Christians. The, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses? What, what, I mean, come on. Are you going to use your brain here in this discussion, or are you just going to just say whatever comes to it? All right, listen. Uh, well, you, no, 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 listen. I let you talk. Now, listen. The Christian community as a whole, they have differences. Okay, but isn't that the beauty of God that you can say, well, you know, we like to sprinkle and we like to dunk and we like to blow on people to get the spirit and we like to do this. Isn't that kind of beautiful? Or does it have to be a set way that you have to go to in order to get it? You know, and Chris, wait, no, wait, no, Chris. Doesn't, why did God make black people and red people and white people and green people sometimes? I mean, why do we have all these different animals? I mean, it just makes me so frustrated that the world's so diverse. I mean, what, Chris, what do you want? You want Hitler to rule the, the, the churches here, buddy? Do you want everything lockstep process? You getting it, Chris? Calm down, buddy. I think, I think Are you getting it? Where's he going? I think we need to calm down. Come on, buddy. Don't 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 fill yourself up with the spirit of contention. I didn't have I, the spirit of contention is not with me. It's the spirit of humor, man. Rational. Let's just talk rationally. You're not speaking rationally. If you were speaking rationally, I would respond to you rationally. Well, let me make a, let me make a full point, Sean. Okay, the whole point continues. Can I get a drink, somebody? Just kidding. That's a joke, Christians. Don't freak out. All right, go ahead. All right, Sean. All right, we only got you know we have a bunch of callers. Finish it up. Give me your last final jab and we'll, and call again. Last final point. Um, basically, what everybody needs to know is that you're interpreting doctrines the way you want to and the way your church wants to. You read the Bible that's true. and you try to interpret it the way you want to think about it. That's that's true. I do do that, but we do use the original languages. We do use the commentaries and scholars that have been around for a long, long time. And we, there's a general consensus among all the major points, my friend. You're trying to make it sound like there's not, and there are. You're backing right back in your, backing right back in your same corner, Sean. What corner am I in? You're right into your general consensus that doesn't exist. Your general. I think it does. All that all Bible scholars all look at things differently. Well, well, show me a Christian church that's called a Christian church and accepted a Christian church that doesn't embrace the core essentials I shared with you, and I'll show you a church that's on the fringe of heresy. 
and or one that is not embraced. All right, so, so taking that, believing in Jesus Christ, is, is that you're trying to change the topic now, just so you know. Just, just, just to make. I'm not trying to change the topic. You're, you're trying to change the topic here, Sean, and you're trying to point out like. Look, God, you are amazing. Out, there's a general consensus that we all believe in Jesus Christ, but the Mormon Church. So do the devils. The devils believe in Jesus Christ. It's what do you believe of Jesus Christ? You believe he was a created being. I mean, all the core essential beliefs in the Christian churches, he's never been created. You want to believe he was created. You want to believe his, that he had a grandfather, dude. You want to believe that his father has testicles. I mean, how far do you want to go? I mean, the, the Christian church agrees on the core essentials of God and what, what leads to salvation. You're trying to make it sound like we are all in disarray on those points, and you're so absolutely wrong. It's Sean, look, look here. This is, this, is, this is where you're trying to you carry the topic again to another point. What is it? So let's, let's go back to our point of Chris, general interpretation. Chris, I'm going to do something that annoys people, but really it is so that we can get Marlene and Richard and Victor and the person on line three on. We're going to move on, but you give me something that's really good, call us back, and we'll go. You're right, right, Sean, because you don't want to keep talking. You're right. I admit it. I don't want to keep talking to you, Chris. Bye. All right, bye. Okay, we're going to uh, Marlene on the famous line four. Marlene, first-time caller from San Jose. Marlene, you're on the air. Okay, thank you. Hello? You hi, Marlene, you're on the air. Hi, is this Sean? It is. Oh, well, hi. I was watching on streaming. I'm from San Jose, California, and uh, my friend who lives in Colorado listens to you all the time. Her name is Carol Rose. Oh, good. And, uh, she recommended that I read your book, uh, I Was a Born Again Mormon, because my oldest sister was a Mormon, uh -huh. and she's now passed away, which is very sad. But um, one of the things I wanted to comment on, reading this book, being that it was printed in 2003 originally, uh, yeah, uh, and then it was the second printing in 2007, yeah. When I was talking to her on the phone, I was a little confused from the printing, so you might want to think about a revision here. It almost sounded like you were still a part of the Mormon Church. Yeah. And that you were still uh, connected with them. Well, uh, so that's what I got confused on, and now listening to you, I understand a lot more. We, did, you I, read through the, did you read through the whole book? I did, I did. And it talked about, you know, um, when I was reading it, um, about you removing yourself from the Mormon Church. Yeah, I was excommunicated. Yeah, I was too from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Isn't it wonderful? Um, <laughs> High five. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, I'm really enjoying your book. Uh, you're not televised in California, I gather, huh? Not yet, but we're working on it. Oh, that would be really good. Um, just a couple of comments I like to make. Uh, I too found Jesus while I was in the Jehovah's Witnesses oh. and tried to stick around a little while, but it just couldn't do it. Couldn't does it, do it. it doesn't so stick, make, does it? No, doesn't. You got to get out eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And once, uh, once I never did really fully understand the Trinity, that's why I have to laugh at some of these people that are arguing with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's one of those things you have to just believe and have faith. Yeah. And um, I had an experience where the Lord... Uh, I had to get out of that Jehovah's Witness thought that Jehovah God was Father. Oh, yeah. Jesus was created. Right. Uh, at least we didn't stick him with Satan as being a brother. Right. But anyway, um, oh, finally what I did is I just went out and looked up in the sky and just said, God, Jehovah, I don't understand this, but 
if Jesus is God, that's okay with me. And uh, when I return to getting busy again, as clear as clear could be, uh, a voice said to me, I am. Wow. Great call. Thank you so much, oh, Marlene. wonderful. And uh, one other quick thing is uh, my sister died this last year as a Mormon, which really breaks my heart because I don't know if she ever really truly accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. We were raised in a, a Christian church, but she chose Mormonism later on in life because of the family issues. Yeah. But what really irked me so bad is that the elders came from her ward and gave her a piece of paper on her deathbed, giving her permission to get into heaven. Wow. I haven't heard of that paper. <laughs> they never uh, gave yeah. it to me. And it's like, okay. So wow. I, I get a written statement saying you can get into heaven in the Mormon church. Yeah, it's very strange. You know, uh, we never know, even within Christian community, who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. Uh, what, when people say, you know, I accept you, Jesus, it doesn't mean they mean it in their heart. There's all, and there's some yeah. LDS people who are, who are Christians through and through. We just don't know. But the I point know. is to try to get Jesus as the central figure. Really well, good call, Marlene. Her, I could never get her to sit down and talk with me about it. And when I would say, Jesus is God come in the flesh, can you agree with that? She would never answer me. Well, she may have agreed silently in her heart with the Lord. God bless I, you, my sister. Take care. Okay, come to California. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Richard and Leighton, first-time caller. Richard, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, hi, yes. Uh, I went to my uh, Diaglot, and, uh, and on this earlier verse you talked about in uh, Revelation, uh -huh. and uh, my Diaglot says, the beginning of the creation of God. The beginning of the creation of God? That Jesus was the beginning of the creation of God. Okay. In the Diaglot. And also, I wanted to say that you've offended Harley with his accent. It's, it's not a fake Scottish accent. It's a fake Irish accent. So, Harley. Harley, yes. Harley, I snuck through, I did. You see, so you're a liar, too, Harley. Because you said yes. your name was Richard from Leighton, a first-time caller. Yes. You're really a, and, just a, it's really, it's a, really lying, a lying bastard. Can I say that on the air? You can say whatever you want. You can, you can show your true self in your true colors. I think I show my true self, Harley, but you are not. Look at this, you call and lie to get on the air. I, I called it's his heart so and interesting. let me talk, because you told him to cut me off. I, told, I never told anybody to cut you off. Well, they did. They're, they're good little uh, worker bees. Anyway. Uh, well, they know an idiot when they hear one, Harley. Beginning, I, I, I'm looking at my diagloss right now, and it says beginning. Beginning of the creation What does beginning right mean of... in the Greek? What does beginning mean in the Greek, Harley? I'm not a Greek. Well, I just... Why don't you get uh, the interlinear and read what it says? I think we covered it, Harley. I think you've been assassinated, essentially. Isn't, isn't my diaglot ridiculous enough. premise? I, I was hoping my diaglot was sufficient. It's not sufficient. Printed in forty-two, <laughs> Sean Oboyo. <laughs> hey, man, do you have another point? Uh, just, Besides yes. your one little pet scripture, you like to you're think you're owning people with vulgarities, man. Get a hold of yourself on TV. Get a hold of yourself. What else do you want? Man. Are you ready? No, the rage just comes bubbling out of you. Well, I get angry when I, when I have to uh, deal with certain people, Harley. Well, don't get angry, my son. Sean O'Boyle. <laughs> Talking to God now. Hey, listen, Harley, I'll let you go. We got other people. Isn't it as an Irish, uh, it's an Irish uh, metaphor. Okay. You're not my son. I, I wouldn't claim you. All right, man. I'll, I'll see you later. It's a good one. Yippee-ki-yay and toodaloo.
I, I know we would be friends, at least in another life. Uh, we're going to Victor in American hey. Fork. Victor, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, Vic. Hey, um, my pastor just got asked to speak at an at a LDS church to the youth group. Wow. So, yeah, I know. Between 40 and 50 kids, they said he'll be there. They want to uh, ask him why he believes what he believes. What he believes, why, why he believes what he believes. Oh. But what I'm calling him for is, is uh, all the believers out there to, to pray for him. Oh, well, what uh, pastor is it? Uh, it's a pastor out of American Fork. Pastor out of American Fork? Uh, named Pat. Pat Gatling. Pat? Yeah. Well, viewers out there, uh, pray for Pat that he'll have the right answers to share and, and that there'll be a good uh, dialogue, an honest uh, dialogue with these uh, youth. And tell him to love them. And to share Jesus, and it, well, it'll, he's planting seeds. Tell him he's planting seeds. Uh, uh, All right, Victor, thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Hey, really quickly, uh, I'm going to read something from Patricia. It says, it's, she's really an excellent writer, and she's either LDS or mar still married to a Latter-day Saint. It says, Christians are people God has changed inside. They have peace with God because they have turned away from their pa past to him. They have believed that, quote, God has turned his judgment away from them because of his son, end quote. By faith on his word, God has caused these people to be born of the word. By this faith, he purifies their heart. Because of this faith, he sends the spirit of his son into their hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The earliest Mormons would be found in the Book of Mormon, a volume full of evangelical conversion stories. Alma, the people of Messiah, King Lamoni, and people of Lehi-Nephi all saw their awful state and cried out in various prayers. Giving an example from the Book of Mormon, she writes, Oh, this is what they said, Oh, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, uh, oh, apply the atoning blood of Christ that we may receive a remission of sin and have our hearts purified, for we believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, God, if there be a God, said King Lamoni, I will give up all my sins to have this joy. We have long said that the Book of Mormon, written early in Joseph Smith's life, uh, under the tutelage of different people who were Christian, including his parents, that it has a very sound Christian theme throughout. And uh, if you watch our five-part series on the Book of Mormon, you'll see. That's why it isn't conflict truly with the Bible, except in a few key places. The problem is, is it was not a divinely inspired book. It didn't come from golden plates. But because he got people to believe in the gold plate story, he took them then and got them to believe in a bunch of other stuff, which truly is against the Word of God, including plural marriage, including blood atonement, including that God was once a man when the Bible says that God is a spirit, has no create, has no beginning or end. We hope you'll continue to search for these things. Know that our heart is with you. If you don't know the Lord, go to him yourself, talk to him, ask him into your life. He will be faithful to his promises to you. See you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Break my rusty cage and run
Thank you.